baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Or a reasonable facsimile thereof. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for DeRussia this week. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday, and I hope it was filled with so much love and laughter as we bring in a brand new week and head towards the beginning of a new year. Sadly, I received information after filling in last Friday on the show and uh, just broke my broke my heart. Uh, Ian Punnett, a local talent here in the Twin Cities for many years, radio talent, personality, teacher, professor, mentor, friend, passed away last week on the 21st. As a matter of fact, he signed off from local radio station on December 21st, 2011. So it's been, I mean, <laughs> to the date, an anniversary of endings for Ian. I was lucky enough to grow up in an era in Chicagoland area where Ian Punnett lived and, and grew up as well and had an amazing assortment of radio show hosts, Wally Phillips on WGN, Larry Lujak on WLS, uh, Gary and Steve over on The Loop, and all of these guys share really interesting uh, facts. I mean, they were huge. They were monstrous. Jonathan Brandmeier. I reached out to them as a kid, and each one took my phone call. Not only did they take my phone call, they took them repeatedly and at times would call me back at home. And their courtesy and caring and mentorship was amazing for me. And then as an adult going through radio and having spent the last 18 years involved in Twin Cities Radio and and national and international radio, I was a fill-in host on Coast to Coast AM for five and a half years. And in part because of Ian Punnett. We'd become friends, and he was stepping away from his position at Coast to Coast AM, dealing with a a horrible, horrible case of tinnitus. And as he stepped down, he put my name in, and I was picked up as a fill-in host, and I took over that role. And like a phoenix rising from the ashes after my five and a half years and having to step away to take on a different position at another radio station and filming television, I stepped away from Coast to Coast. He came back in and filled in that spot again nicely. A lot of people don't realize Art Bell, the legendary broadcaster who began Coast to Coast AM, handpicked Ian Punnett to take over as a fill-in host for him. Many people think it's George Norrie, the first fill-in host, was actually Ian Punnett. And that's because of his intelligence, his humor, his insights, and the ability to take any topic and make it seem as though he had been talking about that topic for years, comfortably and always putting the guest at ease. And when Ian came into my life, he became a mentor and a friend. And we would exchange thoughts and ideas on shows, and he would have me come in and uh, through uh, video broadcasts help him teach a few of his courses on radio and podcasting. And I was so pleased to be thought of highly enough that he would make that call and ask me to be a part of his world, his teaching world. And then when I found out the WCCO had some positions open for these floating hosts, and I reached out to Ian and I said, "Hey, who do you who do you know over at WCCO?" He was quick to respond, 
and he put the call in before I think I even had a chance to think twice about it and contacted me and said, I want you to call my buddy Brad Lane over there. We just had a very nice conversation. And because of that door opening, here I am now, months after that, six, seven months. I was so excited about the fill-in spots last week and again getting a chance to come here because WCCO is such an amazing staple of radio entertainment and such a, an amazing home to be a part of. And I was looking so forward to talking to Ian after filling in and letting the holidays roll by. It was a gut punch to know that we lost him. But I know that he's still listening, and I'm sure he's still going to be watching out for me and helping me along on my route as he had done for so many people. So it is a sad, sad time that we say goodbye to such a remarkable broadcaster and such a remarkable human being. He did so much for so many, and it's it's interesting to me because, boy, you only wish you could live a life where you made an impact as deep as an asteroid strike on the planet Earth, and this guy has. As I watch so many different tributes pour out from so many different sources, people coming forward to talk about their experiences. I don't know how he had time to be a teacher and a broadcaster and a podcaster because it seems he was helping everybody, talking to everyone involving himself in local friends here. And when they would find days of of devastation in their own lives, he would fly out to be with them and hold their hand at the bedside of spouses that were going through illnesses. He would be there at the drop of a hat to give me advice and would tune in on my programs to listen in and tell me what he heard, what he liked, what he thought could be better. He was just so brilliant at doing that. And knowing that he's done that for so many people, And there's going to be a big void in the radio world now because of the loss of Ian Punnett. He was one of the true last bastions of amazing voices and personalities. And I'm so glad that the Twin Cities got to share in that. And that along with his wife, Marjorie, Ian and Marjorie show last, I think, 10, 11 years over on another radio station. Brought so much fun and entertainment. And then his work on Coast to Coast AM and doing so many other things. So if anything... At this time of year, I know he wouldn't want me to be maudlin or sad about this. He would want to be uh, remind me of all the great times and the great things that we shared, the insights, the laughs, the deep thoughts. And he'd also want me to remind you out there that you can make an impact in other people's lives. You can be an Ian Punnett for others if you just make the time for it and you show real compassion and empathy. And at this time of year specifically, our thoughts and prayers go out to Ian's wife and children as they suffer through this tragic loss. So maybe give a little bit more love. Hold and hug that person in your life just a little longer as you look at the beginning of a new year and a new beginning for each and every one of us. And do it in the honor of a good man who passed through our lives much too briefly. Because I think that's how he would want to be remembered, as inspiration to make sure that every day is lived to the best and that we honor him and honor all of our friends, relatives, and ancestors that went before us by living a life worth living. And that's going to be my goal. Ian Punnett, thank you on high. I appreciate all that you've done for me and for all the people of the great Twin Cities and around the world with your dulcet tones and narrative skills of taking us through the strange and anomalous on coast to coast and bringing us into the relationship between you and your wife and the fun and the candor that you shared. The world's a better place because of you, sir. Thank you. Did you get a chance to know Ian Punnett by any chance? 
Nope. Uh, spent the summer of uh, 22 over at Hubbard Broadcasting and uh, heard about him, knew about kind of the lasting legacy that he left uh, over there at those radio stations, but uh, never uh, personally met him. I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends who work over there currently in their radio market that knew him and have kind of posted some sentimental uh, social media tributes to him over mm-hmm. the past week. And uh, yeah, just uh I mean, obviously never a, a good time to, <laughs> as as dominant as it sounds, never a good time to pass away, but like the timing of it and everything with all it is just approaching around the corner was uh, yeah, not, not, not great. Shortly after his 63rd birthday, yes. I believe December 8th was yep. his birthday, um, to have that, uh, yeah, boy, just brutal. I, I'm thankful, you know, we both have very busy schedules, and when we spoke last, I think in October, and he called in to check in on me and see how things were going with my fill-in spots here and all the other irons I had in the fire. And we just ended the call as as everyone should. I just said, "Hey, and thanks for calling and checking up on me. I love you, man." And he said, "I love you too, man." And that was those were the final words we spoke. Although we exchanged texts after that, he got very quiet at the beginning of December, and I just. Uh, Assumed he was getting busy with life. I, I didn't realize to the extent of his illness how far along it had gone. It's a very quick um, thing that, that kind of came and went in the night. And I guess for that, we can at least be thankful that there yeah. wasn't a long period of suffering and, and uh, pain for Ian. So thank you very much. I won't uh, I won't detail any of the information about his illness because that's for him and his family to disclose, not me. But uh, he was such an amazing guy. How many people do you think come into our lives that have an impact like that? It's, uh, I don't know too many people that are multifaceted and multi-tooled like that that can do just that many things at once and kind of continue that grind for just decades and, and not really show you know, signs of wear and tear. I know obviously yeah. it's wear and tear regardless because you know, grandfather time catches up with all of us, but it's uh, – not too many people that kind of have that mentality anymore, uh, no. at least not that I know of, that just can do, you know, eight things at once continuously and, and, and keep that uh, and keep that pace for so many, so many years. Well, having the opportunity to talk with him and, and talk with all of these other legendary radio show hosts through the years that I've been lucky enough uh, to become friends with, and all of those from the Chicagoland area and Roy Leonard from WGN as well, what was really uh, moving to me is, and, and I've tried to do this as well as make myself available to the next upcoming wave of people and broadcasters and do my best to answer their questions. And I've, I've had, you know, listeners come in and sit in the studio with me because Roy Leonard did that for me. Roy Leonard invited me. Uh, Larry Lujak invited me, which I never had the chance mm-hmm. to take advantage of at WLS Radio in Chicago. I wish I would have. Um, but Roy Leonard let me sit in two or three times and allowed me to – witness how the magic was done behind the boards. And, man, I was hooked at an early age. And when I went off to college in 1988 to Winona State, and I took a position at KQAL Radio, the radio alternative at Winona State, their college broadcast station with, I think at the time, you know, it had a pretty healthy broadcast signal but was not huge. You know, Mm -hmm. probably went out about a 20-mile span. Um, I would contact Roy, and uh, I would contact some of the, the former hosts that I had spoken to in the past. And, they would listen to tapes and they would write back to me and tell me, hey, this is what I like. Why don't you try this? Yeah. And there were different elements that uh, that I still carry with me because of that. And hopefully the kindness and empathy that they showed towards me is 
uh, something I'll continue on, and hopefully the next generation that got that same door open from me will continue to do, and those those will be the best legacies we can do in the honors of some of the great voices like this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. This is Drive Time with the Russia. I'm Dave Schrader filling in this week. We'll be back with more right here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to the program. This is Drive Time with the Russia filling in for Jason Russia. I'm Dave Schrader. What happened to families? I was inundated over the last few days with messages from friends and relatives worldwide. We we even sat down to play some uh, rummy, you know, just a nice little family gathering of rummy that ended up in yelling and and upset and what i we used to look forward to that that was like one of the best parts of the holiday right once you're through all that nonsense and it's not like we're squealers in our house we're not putting it down i mean if you you heard a little bit earlier i mean i do like my eggnog but we're not throwing it back and Man, people are aggressive nowadays. I don't know. Is it the amount of hormones they're pumping into our food systems? What is making people so angry so quickly nowadays? People are like, God, Dave, I was, we were having dinner and everything was fine. And somebody just said one stupid little comment and it erupted in an hour long battle of family members. What is it? This is a time of year we should be coming together happy healthy, laughter, loving, and having conversations. Have we truly lost the common decency towards one another that even among family, and I know there are going to be people that are going to call and text in uh, on the talk and text line, 651-461-9226, and say, Dave, people never get along, never get along for the holidays. It's always this. Why It hasn't been for me and a lot of my friends and relatives, so I don't know what's going on or why it's become more aggressive. I mean, I understand that we're in a strange world. It's a strange new world, right, with the political derision, the Mm -hmm. COVID virus, the uh, issues that we've just got going around, the inflation problems. There's so many different things, but I would think that that would be a time for people to come together because we all have common frailties. We're all dealing with the same aggressions and aggressors. And why is it causing a bigger chasm now in families? Some families aren't even talking to each other. I'm like, oh, what'd you guys do? Nothing. We haven't spoken to our family in three years. (laughs) Wait, what? Oh man, it was horrible. We had this huge blowout over this president or that president. We had a huge blowout over the vaccine or no vaccine. Is, is anything worth turning away from family and friends for? Can't you just have a, a conversation with one another where you can disagree with one another and it doesn't come to blows, shots fired, or wounding words that, that are hard to, to heal? Maybe. I, 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 I don't, I, see, I don't dive into the tough conversations too much at, at family dinners, but uh, I, I'm kind of the guy that tries to steer it one direction away from that. <laughs> I Listen, I, I'm a firm believer. Things don't get fixed unless you discuss them. Just by ignoring problems. But if somebody brings something to me that, that could be very, uh, I guess, triggering, I don't know why we can't just say, well, that's an interesting take. Why do you feel that way? May I share with you why I feel the different way? And have that conversation without fear. Agreed to disagree. Of repercussion. Right. And people hate that comment. Oh, yeah. I'm always like, hey, we can agree to disagree. And they're like, <laughs> no, you're wrong. You're an idiot. I get comments <laughs> like that on social media all the time because I'll um, – and I stay away from 
so much of the things. People are so willing to be bent out of shape and irritable. Do you know, like I would tell a news story that had nothing to do with former President Trump. His name was just associated in the article, and it would be just like, a, well, you know, uh, even former President Trump tried to get the information released regarding the Kennedy assassination. And then the rest of the article, that one sentence is the only reference to the former president. The rest of the article is more about the uh, political um, dwellings of what's going on and keeping information from coming out. And I would get scathing, hate-filled, how dare you bring this man's name up? Uh, you know, he's blah, blah, blah. Or I would get sides from the other, you know, emails from the other side saying, you brought him up only to make him look like a fool. And I, what? No, I was reading an article that the article, the meat of the conversation is what interested me. The fact that his name is associated with it had no bearings in why I wanted to discuss this topic. But, there, man, the triggers on people. It used to take a while to irritate somebody. I remember because we used to try to irritate our aunts and grandparents at the holidays, you know, with joking and love and, and, and picking – and when it got to a flashpoint, we were always apologizing and giving hugs and, and cookies would be passed out and life would be okay. And yeah. now it's just it's chaos, anger, frustration, people hanging their heads in shame and, and avoiding one another right now. I don't get it. Is, is this affecting more people nowadays? Am I, I don't know. Am I, am I be, again, being naive on this? Some people probably just kind of almost do a, a a huddle beforehand, maybe just saying, "Hey, here's what we're not going to discuss at uh, at dinner." All right, break, and they clap their hands together and go into the dinner and hope I get, for the but best. Then, you know what? Then there are people that are like, "Why do you get to dictate what I get to talk about?" Yeah, I don't get to see my family, and this is the time I want to have this discussion. So I don't. Yeah. Again, I don't think you have to stay away from topics, but you know, hey, can we put up some ground rules? You know. And the minute a voice gets raised, we stop the topic, and we all get up and polka. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> polka, what am yes. I, 90 years old? Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got more to discuss here on Drive Time with the Russia. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for you. This is News Talk 830-WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Talk and text line is open if you would like to weigh in on any of today's topics and have a conversation with us. 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226. I just want to mention, we have got uh, Michael Bryant is going to stop in at the top of the next hour to talk about something. Uh, something so many people have had fear is happening may have actually been proven to be taken place. We're going to talk about that. Very strange. Michael Bryant will call in and weigh in on what this means about our own securities. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Seems holiday spending increased, defying the fears of a decline. And I I guess there was a lot of concern, especially with the way the world is currently and interest rates insanely high, things going on the way they are. Americans boosted their holiday spending, bringing relief to retailers concerned about a potential economic downturn. 
So data from MasterCard Spending Plus uh, reveals a 3.1% increase in retail sales from November 1st to December 24th compared to the previous year. Despite the inflationary concerns, spending rose in various categories, with restaurants experiencing a 7.8% jump, apparel up by 2.4%, and grocery sales also gaining. The positive holiday sales figures fueled with a robust labor market and wage growth suggest the economy's ongoing strength with economists anticipating a soft landing despite the Federal Reserve's efforts to curb inflation. Solid job growth also empowered consumers to spend more. And despite rising consumer prices, wages have outpaced inflation building real purchasing power, while certain categories such as electronics and jewelry uh, experience declines. Overall, spending growth has moderated compared to previous years. The 2022 holiday season saw a 5.4% increase in retail sales, down from the significant 12.7% rise in 2021. Online sales growth in 2023 slowed to a 6.3%. Now, I think what's interesting about some of this is they're, they're comparing the the growth that took place during the pandemic when we were getting infusions of money from the government and people were encouraged to spend to help keep businesses afloat. So, of course, there was going to be a bit of that. Then as the COVID issues went down and people reentered the fray and there wasn't that same kind of viable money that was coming in in those, in those broad uh, spectrum payments, it reduced the spending. That should be no surprise. But I think it's weird that they're like, hey, look, there's been this experience of a jump in uh, retail, especially when it comes to groceries, apparel, and uh, restaurants. Well, that's because the prices are exponentially higher now than they were two or three years ago. Yeah, You can't go to most fast food restaurants now and pick up a meal for a family of four for 20 to 30 bucks like you used to. Yeah. Now you're lucky if you get out of a, a Golden Arches uh, holdup with a $60 charge. Yeah, right? it's, it's crazy to see kind of, I guess, the shocked look on people's faces when it's like, oh, my gosh, there's just a, a downslope in spending when it comes to food, uh, whether it's restaurants, fast food, or even just shopping, you know, retail spending. Eh, it's slowly gone up, but also while the – People are starting to crawl back out of their holes. It's mostly uh, kind of coincided with this rise of inflation that we're experiencing. And, of course, the holidays are no exception to that. So, well, And apparel yeah. up by 2.4%. Again, the prices of, of clothing has gotten insane. Uh, just oh, yeah. bonkers pricing. And then <laughs> groceries are through the roof. So is it should we be celebrating this or is that something that should be more indicative of a problem that we seem to be having? There have been cut off sources of um, delivery. I know friends that are in, in businesses that that do graphic art T-shirts and they've they've struggled to get shirts. They've struggled to get yeah. apparel to do for their business, which means that then they have to up the prices, which is having a deeper impact on people in the wallet. So prices have gone up. There's more spending only because there's less availability, which, again, could cause more of a, a global incident when it comes to the spending of this stuff. So I don't know that we should necessarily be celebrating that uh, spending increased. It's only because prices are increasing yeah. so high. It's making it really hard for many middle-class families and lower-class families to be able to afford simple things at this point. It's it's one of those things, too. It's uh, it's more so one of those cases of we don't really have a choice. We have to spend. Like <laughs> some things that right. – like, like, like food you, and clothing. You, well, yeah, <laughs> and if you have something, say, like on the Christmas list that you want for the holidays – uh, not a lot of different options to choose from. I know there's you know price match and whatnot, but it's 
There's some things I've bought this year that are like, eh, yeah, maybe save a buck or two if I go, you know, a couple miles up there to Walmart. But, like, let's – I'm the kind of guy that likes to uh, take into account gas in that situation. Time. Like, yeah. would I rather spend the extra two bucks here or do I, do I use up more gas to drive – you know, five miles up to Walmart and save a couple bucks. Well, that's what, make sense. that's what they're banking yeah, on is yeah. the impulse price yeah. so that you're going to buy it here that, yeah, the comparatively it might be more, but that's why yeah. there are so many nice apps now. So you could pull up the app and if it's, if it's $2 cheaper at this store, you could simply show it at the other store and they'll reduce the price which, of their product. Which also the online deal, I say this from experience because I've worked at Target, inventory is not always accurate. They they can show you that they'll have said product online at, at Target or Walmart or whatever. But I promise you, inventory is not – it's never been 100% and it never will be. Uh, you can have you can show have someone that shows, oh, yeah, we have 12 in stock. Uh, I, I've gone to stores with that in mind, and I've gone right up to the desk and like, uh, so you have 12 in stock, uh, and you're coming back to me saying you have zero. So uh, it's also one of those things, too, where uh, supply supply and demand is, is, is a factor in – you know, how much people spend also. Right. While the economy remains strong, the consumers are more cautious about spending. Retailers observed a shift now in consumer behavior with shoppers waiting for sales before making purchases. Lower income and middle income individuals in particular demonstrated more discretionary spending. Retailers and brands offered targeted promotions with discounts ranging from 30 to 50 percent, echoing pre-pandemic trends. Some categories facing declining sales like electronics and toys saw significant discounts leading up to Christmas. And discount retailers, there should be no surprise here, like Burlington and online platforms like Thrift Books reported increased sales, indicating a more frugal approach from shoppers. While some retailers experienced challenges due to product launches and early discounts, overall the holiday season reflected a mix of cautious spending, targeted promotions, and a resilient economy. And you can look, folks, pay attention. I buy my stuff throughout the year. If I know holidays, birthdays, if I see a deal on something today, I'll buy it today, put it away, knowing that it's going to serve me later. There are some of these websites where you can watch trends. So what they'll do is they'll slowly start amping the price up in October, November, beginning of December, so that they can drop the price by 40% for the holidays, and you're really still 30% over where it was three months ago. So you're not always getting the best purchase price. You're not always getting the biggest bang for your bucks. You've got to be really careful with how you're spending your money. Uh, educate yourself. It is so easy now, online spending, and there are uh, different uh, uh, different projects and products out there that can actually help you so that you can avoid some of this overspending, and they're keeping an eye on these things for you. I mean, again, it's how much do you want to let uh, AI and the Internet know about your spending habits? I, they're already gathering that information. So yeah. if it's going to help me out in the long run and give me bigger, better discounts, I'm all for it. Uh, here's an interesting story that came out through the holidays. Grandparents messed up and bought the family 70 years worth of Disney Plus instead of a trip to the theme park. A family from Illinois faced a vacation hiccup when they mistakenly purchased $10,000 worth of Disney Plus gift cards, thinking they could use them for theme park expenses. In a TikTok video that garnered over 3.5 million views, Andy Costin, a 41-year-old social worker, explained that her parents bought the gift cards to save money on tickets and reservations for their Christmas trip. However, they discovered the error when trying to load the cards for park purchases, realizing they were for Disney's streaming service 
not the parks. Costin sought help on TikTok, and after widespread attention, Disney actually contacted her parents, offering to convert the Disney Plus gift cards into Disney Parks gift cards, resolving the mix-up. The mix-up occurred because Costin's parents, age 78, were unfamiliar with streaming services and didn't realize the cards were for Disney Plus. Despite skepticism from TikTok users, though, Costin clarified that the gift cards couldn't be returned as the numbers were already scratched off. In an update, she confirmed Disney's resolution turning the Disney Plus gift cards into usable Disney Parks gift cards. Costin expressed gratitude for the awareness that the incident raised, noting that others shared similar experiences, but Disney did not respond to Business Insider's request for comments about this. I'm sure that's, A, they want to be good in the field and help a family, but B, they also don't want to seem like they're too accessible for other people that have made massive mistakes in, in doing this. I'm finding more and more problems with some of the gift card issues that are out there. There's this new scam where people are going into the stores, clipping the gift card so that they've got the number. They'll tuck part of the gift card back in, hang it back up when the the um, checkout clerks scan it. That you know puts the money onto that card. These people are hitting those card numbers that they've got almost hourly waiting for somebody yeah. to purchase. And as soon as it becomes active, they're spending the $50, the $100, the $250. So sometimes by the time you leave the store to the time you get home, the gift card is no longer good anymore. So if you have those cards that are in the little folded pocket, make sure to kind of pop the pocket and make sure there's a full-size gift card inside because people are being screwed left and right on this deal. Man, it is amazing to me. How much effort people put into scamming each other. I wonder if that effort was put into actual hard work. (laughs) How much further we'd be as a civilization of instead of trying to screw systems, if we spent time trying to enable each other to be bigger and better and maybe show the flaws of these systems by by offering your work to some of these big box discount stores or or stores, showing them the flaws in their security – they they hire specialists for this. Yeah. You could probably get a job for hundreds of thousands of dollars to solve these problems for them. It's crazy. Instead of costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars that if you end up getting caught, you're going to go to prison for. Yeah. It's happened very frequently. Crazy. Especially around the holidays. Speaking of the House of Mouse, I don't know if you heard this strange news breaking, but Mickey and Minnie are no longer going to be owned by Disney. Starting January 1st, 2024, the Walt Disney Company loses exclusive rights to its iconic characters, Mickey and Minnie Mouse, as they enter the public domain. This means that early versions of the characters are no longer under Disney's exclusive copyright, allowing anyone to use them. Like, think of Steamboat Willie, the the original black and white Mickey and Minnie's with the hat, you know, when Minnie's wearing the little hat with the big flower coming off of it. Those original iterations are now released from this exclusive copyright, allowing anyone to use them in various creative works like paintings, cartoons, novels, and songs. And this development follows a historical moment as these characters created by Walt Disney in 1928 became part of the public domain. While the public domain status grants freedom to artists, Disney will still retain copyrights for the characters' more modern versions for a few more years and vows to defend its trademarks. This means creators must be cautious not to trigger trademark claims by Disney, allowing the company to protect certain aspects of Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Despite these legal considerations, Mickey Mouse remains an enduring global icon, instantly recognizable and beloved, ensuring his continued prominence even as he steps into the public domain. And this public domain thing 
has got people up in arms. They uh, Winnie the Pooh fell under public domain, and there yep. was a horror movie, and I think they're already doing a sequel called Win- uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which is a horror movie. Yes. The concept being that Christopher Robin has left Hundred Acre Wood, grown up, and as an adult decided to come back to visit his friends with his fiance. And as he enters Hundred Acre Wood, there is blood and bones of his fellow uh, playmates. And Pooh and Piglet have now found their way into our world. And uh, Piglet has become this kind of uh, voracious pig with the huge tusks mm-hmm. and a murderous machine, as is Winnie the Pooh. People were really upset by this. My, my wife, Winnie, she is not happy with the fact that this beloved character has been turned into a slasher. There's also The Mean One that came out. It was called The Mean One, and it's based on The Grinch. Uh, Ted Geisel's character, Dr. Seuss, The Grinch, Mm -hmm. also under this public domain. So we're going to start seeing a lot of weird stuff. I'm all (laughs) for shaking it up. I'm all for creativity. But again, holy cow, we're taking some of the most beloved children's characters and now turning them into some of the most twisted. However... You look back at the, the the fact that you know we had Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. We had some really great creative books come out that were able to take some old books, old manuscripts, and stories that maybe people aren't familiar with now, yeah. and read them in a new way that inspired them to go back and read the classics to see how how different they were. So there is good and bad with all of this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got a little bit more to discuss. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for Derusha right here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Filling in for Jason Derusha, I'm Dave Schrader. We were just talking about the uh, copyright laws and the changes that are falling into effect that have now impacted even Mickey and Minnie. Nobody's safe. Nobody is safe. What about all of these uh, sequelitis that we've got. I think eventually uh, we're going to just burn out. Is there really no original ideas left in Hollywood? Do we have to go in and dip into characters, beloved characters from our childhood, to turn them into vicious killing machines in order to grab the attention of people again? I mean, I'm all for, like I said, coming up with new inventive ways to reexamine stories from our past. I think that's amazing. Go for it. Let's have some fun. Let's reinvent. Let's do these things. But it's time that maybe do we need another reboot of Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th? Is there not somebody out there that's creating new, compelling characters with fascinating stories to tell? Instead of treading on the tried and true in stories that are are interesting and had their time, why not just create a whole new thing? That's what I do love about uh, uh, some of the, you know, uh, Guillermo del Toro has come out with some beautiful uh, movies and and really interesting concepts. Yet here's a guy who's done some really successful, amazing movies, and he is kind of still fighting for his place to be seen and heard. In a recent article, he's just as frustrated by the uh, the way uh, Hollywood and, and the big movies hold them back and keep them from being able to go forward. You would think with his name and the pedigree behind him, we would see more creative choices made. His movies are doing well. They're making money, I guess, just because they're not making the hundreds and hundreds of millions. But I don't believe that his budgets are in that same place. I just, man, I'd love to see a shakeup. I'd love to see what's going on in the, the creative field out there on TV. We're revisiting Things like Frasier, Will and Grace, uh, Murphy Brown, all of these old shows rebooted to come back. I I love a visit. Why not just do a one-off movie like the Andy Griffith uh, Mayberry movie that came out in the, I think, late 80s, early 90s? We caught up with the team. That's all we needed. 
an occasional blast from the past that we don't need to necessarily uh, reinvigorate entire new series. Let's challenge the the powers to be. And it's not the writers. There are writers creating amazing things. Let's start challenging networks to come up with something compelling, something fun to start watching, and new new ways to re-examine concepts because we are in a new environment, in a new world. doesn't mean it has to be more violent and bloody to make it entertaining. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back at the top of the hour. We've got Michael Bryant joining us to talk about a weird thing that's just been released. We'll discuss that next on Drive Time with DeRussia. I'm Dave Schrader on WCCO News Talk 830. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.